This is Observations q and Podcast for Friday, the 5th of November, 2021. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. And I'm Bruce McQuain. And uh, you're a little low there, Bruce. I'm going to have to pop you up on the volume, it sounds like. But, uh, well, okay. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get her there sooner or later. We're short a guy, although I think Michael is going to be joining us later. He had a family thing, so we'll, we'll, he'll join in and it'll be a surprise to all of us, I guess. Oh, well, um, interestingly enough, uh, I, I guess we'll start off this way. The Biden administration today has announced their OSHA mandate on every employer with more than 100 employees to force all employees to be vaccinated, suffer stiff fines. Uh, although there is an option for weekly testing, I believe. And uh, we currently have 26 states who are, have, well, 11, uh, 12 actually, I believe, have already walked into federal court as of this morning. The other ones are expected to join in. So we're now, I believe, in the 6th and 8th Circuit. We now have active lawsuits against this running. Interestingly enough, a Democratic governor came out today. Fear being a wonderful motivator, I suspect. Uh, uh, but a Democratic governor came out today and said, yeah, this vaccine mandate thing is not going to fly. Yeah. I mean, you know, had Virginia not gone the way it was, uh, do you think that would be something to say? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. As I said, fear is a wonderful motivator. And I think we just lost Bruce somehow. Uh, and he's been replaced by Michael. What's happening? Nick of time here. <laughs> well, you said you might be a couple of minutes late, so we were waiting for you. So anyway, we started off before Bruce just disappeared on us talking about this vaccine mandate. And today, uh, in addition to all the, the state lawsuits that are going to be filed uh, or have been filed in the Sixth and Eighth Circuit, a uh, Democratic governor said that uh, she didn't like it either. And uh, Bruce asked a question. I think it's a pretty interesting question. As I said when I when we started off, I think fear is a wonderful motivator. And Bruce said, do you think that that Democrat would be saying that if uh, we hadn't seen Glenn Youngkin win in uh, Virginia? And not just that, but the extremely close race um, for the New Jersey governor's race where uh, Chattarelli came awfully close. Yeah. Uh, well, and the Senate president was ousted by a guy with a $153 budget. Uh, truck driver, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with a $150 campaign budget. Which basically is what AOC did to, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. but uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean this has been a crazy week, and I don't think, I agree. I don't think that mandate's going to hold water when it finally works its way through the courts. It won't. And it can't look the OSHA one. There's two different mandates. Let's be clear. There's the one that uh, is being imposed upon uh, government workers, which is really government contractors. They're subcontractors. That's a huge swath of people, including my employer. Um, and that, that that's a lot harder to fight against. Um there are some potentially, uh, I guess, uh, com conflicting state laws, but for the most part, that's probably going to fly. The this one that's coming out from OSHA is, I think, flagrantly uh, outside the bounds of, of federal government's power. OSHA does not have that kind of power. 
it never has. Um, it was never intended to. So that one is going to be, I think, fall by the wayside, well, which is interesting. They're, they're shoehorning it in under this weird construction of the the statute of toxic materials or hazardous materials in the workplace. And I guess the workers would now be hazardous material. I, I, it, 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 I, I just don't see any statutory statutory justification for it no and i think you're gonna have a hard time finding a hawaiian justice who will also agree with that i mean yeah there'll probably be a couple but i don't see any circuit courts going along with this and i certainly don't see the supreme court going along with it no and it'll get fast-tracked yeah well the interesting thing is it will have to be yeah Here's the interesting thing about the announcement today. Okay, we have this mandate, and you're all going to have to put out. It's so important that we'll fine you, you know, what is it, fifteen thousand dollars per thousand, yeah, per or fourteen five, I think is what it is, fourteen yeah. five per employee per infraction. Um, and of course, they're depending on employees to complain about something because certainly OSHA is not going to be coming by your workplace to ensure that it happens. So. They're only going to enforce it when they get complaints by employees, and they're not large enough to do anything else. But they're also not going to do anything at all until next year. That's right. It doesn't even kick in until January 4th or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's super yeah, important, exactly. and it requires federal government action in at the appropriate juncture. And remember, this is a temporary, even though it's it, there's no actual time limit put on it, emergency that's being delayed rule so what part is temporary and where's the emergency well you know it's an emergency but they're not fat fanatics about it <laughs> <laughs> i guess so we'll wait for they're 60 bad. days well look look here's the other thing i mean all of these employers are now going to have to start from scratch figuring out how this employee vaccination thing and verification and testing, they got to figure out how this works. Now, I'm sure oh, yeah. that they've been trying to figure this out for a couple of weeks now since the, the announcement, but you know now they have a date certain where they have to have something in place, and it's not something that you can just slap together over a weekend. No. And look, I mean, most of these places, I know my company has been working on this since like August, September, uh, at least having a plan. How do we implement this? How do we handle it? Um, and for most places, it's not going to be that hard because uh, you've already got a lot of state laws and whatever that are, are going to uh, kick in. Um, but uh, you find the recalcitrant ones and you're in a uh, sensitive, uh, industry. Well, I mean, we're already seeing that with like the intelligence agencies, but hell with truckers, um, uh, with, uh, frontline workers like, uh, police and fire departments and nurses. Um, I mean, this causes a, a shit ton of problems. Well, the interesting thing is to me, just, you, you mentioned truckers. Okay. If we're already having supply chain problems, how are we going to fix that by taking about 30 to 40% of all truckers who just are going to lose their jobs? 
Because they ain't going to get Well, it's easy. Look, this is how you do it. It's just like you solve inflation. You spend more money. Yeah. And then you yeah, I mean, that's clearly what's good, the, the, the solution. <laughs> that's the only solution that's been offered. I mean, apart from it being just a, a, a complete overreach of federal authority, it's just an extraordinarily bad idea. Well, good Lord, all the stuff we've been seeing coming out of there has been bad ideas. Yeah, this is, this is right up there with them, and it, it is absolutely typical of this administration. Um, I, I was looking at something today. You guys are talking truckers, which, which kind of reminded me. I was looking at this today, the uh, supply chain problems, especially out in Lo- Los Angeles, Long Beach. And, you know, they, they were going to do something about it, but it was brought to their attention around September. And, uh, it, uh, it, well, September 23rd, there were 50 ships waiting uh, outside of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Today is November 4th. Now there are 72. That's how well they've done in straightening this thing out. In September 23rd, they were waiting 10 plus days for a birth. On November 4th, they're waiting 13 to 22 days. So this crew doesn't have a clue on how to do anything uh, right. Uh, you know, they, they, they have to give up power to do some of this stuff. And, and they're, in the, in the, they're in the middle of trying to accumulate power. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a problem I just don't understand. I don't understand how they're still, I, I don't understand how they're still there other than the fact that you have a Democratic Congress and they want to impeach this dude. Well, I found something funny this week is as the birth times here in L.A. and Long Beach have increased, and as you mentioned, mm-hmm. they're, they're at 13 to 22 days. Um, mm-hmm. Greg Abbott just came out publicly and said, well, look, if it's going to take 13 to 22 days just to get a birth in Long Beach, um, just flit on down through the Panama Canal. You can be at Texas in 14 and we'll get your shit unloaded immediately. Yeah, they could be on their way back home by the time they get a birth in Long Beach. Well, Santos did the same thing. Yeah, DeSantis has been saying that for a month. Come on down. Well, I, but that only solves part of the problem. I, I mean, you can get them off the ships, but you have nothing to put back on to those ships. They need to take back the, if not full crates, empty crates. And well, the, there's no place to put them all. Well, and there's no trucks to, or trains it, to like take them anywhere. In California, that's true. It's not true elsewhere. And uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, one of their big problems right now is is rail. They're having a problem. Uh, uh, you know, they're just totally overwhelmed on rail and they can't get stuff out of there. They still haven't quite straight. Well, they still haven't straightened out the truck needs. Uh, so, yeah, they're and, you know, they, they talk about, well, you don't see much activity on Long Beach or L.A. Well, that's because they're full. They don't have any place to put stuff. And that's why it's taking so long to bring these ships in. And they can't truck they it out. Some of that. Yeah, if they can't get if they can't take it out by rail, they can't take it out by truck, or they can't store it and warehouse it somewhere, it sits on the dock. Well, I guarantee you that in Texas and Florida, they're not going to require unionized truckers to come and unload. They'll let owner operators. Well, no, owner operators will be welcome in both of those places. Yeah, but you still have the Jones Act, and you have a couple other federal acts that uh, you know they, they uh, compound the problem. Uh, and you know damn well, since both of these are red states and both of these are, 
are governors who have actively stood up against the Biden administration, they're not going to cut them any slack whatsoever in waiving anything if they do show up. That's okay. Truck them out of the port in Houston, take them up to Dallas and put them on unionized trucks in Dallas. Yeah. Or in Shreveport or in Atlanta or in Charles. <laughs> well, no, you can't leave yeah. Texas. Now, remember, interstate commerce, so you can't leave Texas. So you can but you mean out them of from, Houston. Yeah. yeah, you can shuttle them from Houston to Dallas. You can't shuttle them from Houston to Shreveport. Right. But no one, yeah, that won't ever get waived. So it, it'll it'll be something that they'd have to to figure out, as you point out there. They get, like you said, Houston to, to Dallas. But you know, no slack, no, no change. Uh, he's a uh, he's not. You know, one of the things I re- I realized this week. You know, we hear him talking about coastal elites. That's basically uh, the party. The Democratic Party used to be the party of the working man. There's no question about that. But now it, it is clear that it, it's a party of elites. And it also is a party of, um, well, it's still a party of unions, but only union leadership. I think, he, I think unions are as out of touch uh, with their uh, workers as are the Democratic politicians with their constituents. Um, and, and so, you know, they, they're struggling uh, to uh, establish a base because they've lost what they've had for years and years and years. And it doesn't, if you look at Virginia and you look at the polling, it doesn't look like it's coming back. No, actually. And, you know, I would say, uh, uh, Bruce, that that's not even an exclusive Democrat problem. That that's just an insider beltway problem. Yeah. Yeah. The Republicans are just as much a party of the elites as the Democrats. And and what they are, are concerned about is the donor class. And that's what, uh, union leaders are. They're a donor class. Right. They have the control of the money. Right. And so and that's the what they're most they're concerned about. To. That's correct. Because it now takes a billion dollars to win the presidency. Yeah. And also that's why uh, Terry McAuliffe had Randy Weingarten at his last big rally right. on stage. <laughs> Talk about tone deaf. You couldn't telegraph I'm in her pocket more clearly. (laughs) Yeah, that was the. Somebody ought to write a book about the the political mistakes that man made in his campaign. They were classic. He ran. They were cascading. They were cascading, too. It was amazing how badly he did this stuff. I mean, to the point that they basically hired the Lincoln Project to go out and run dirty <laughs> tricks for him, yeah. and show up with tiki torches. Oh yeah, my and god! A black guy. Yeah, yeah and with a black, with guy. A black guy. Anyway. Yeah, with the, the black guy there with the white supremacist. Okay, sure. This doesn't look suspicious at all. Jeez, oh, uh, I swear. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> well, like Stephen L. Miller wrote. Everything the Lincoln Project touches is, dies or is under 18. <laughs> That's, right. That's exactly right. Well, I guess we got to talk I, about the, this. We, we, we got to talk about this election because it was so interesting looking at on a county by county basis. There is not a single county in Virginia, including the very deep blue counties that did not show an increase in Republican votes. Even the super Republican counties, uh, Glenn Youngkin was carrying those by over 80%. So even the little red arrows pointing up in those counties was perceptible. I mean, 
the entire state of Virginia trended Republican this last election. Well, yeah, after that's the, exactly after, right. After the McAuliffe campaign, who would? I mean, that was, you know, it touched a nerve, uh, a nerve that has, has been exposed for quite some time. And that has to do with education. And when, and when you talk about uh, what your children are or aren't going to get, uh, you can, uh, and you watch what McAuliffe did, and you watch what Youngkin did, then you can understand why 74% of the non-college educated white women voted for Youngkin. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. look, I mean, the Democrats made it clear they were coming after the children. And yeah. Youngkin very smartly and adeptly stepped into that void. He There was a big, wide-open um, uh you know, a line of attack for him. And he didn't overplay it. He didn't uh, underplay it. He just stepped right in and said, look, and the thing it was, uh, it was already part and parcel with one of the, I mean, it was a part of his campaign anyway. So he just hammered on that. He already had the materials out there. He already had identified uh, some of the problem areas and they just opened themselves up to attack because, but wait a minute, we don't teach CRT. And even if we did, it's a good thing. <laughs> you shouldn't <Yeah>. want CRT. <laughs> yeah, well, who knew that that vote for me so that I can indoctrinate your children, you ignorant racist hayseeds, was not a winning electoral message. But well, seriously. It was, on, it was carried on right afterwards, and it's still going. Yeah, it's oh, they're going still doing it. That's yeah. right. They're, yeah, they're doubling they're down still on it. Yeah. Winsome Sears. Denial. Winsome Sears has yeah. now become the black face of white supremacy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Saw a black mouth moving, but that was white supremacy coming out of it. Oh, That's God. What an amazing statement. Yeah, and Winsome Sears is not putting up with that shit at all. No. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know that's uh, that's that's nice to see. She is and, uh, she is not a lady who is shy about her opinions. But then again, she was a marine. Yeah, you know she she's pretty badass. I mean, marine or not marine, she she's just pretty badass. It doesn't surprise me she's a marine. It, 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 she's uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard any of her speeches, but I mean, she's obviously quite erudite. Um. And just she's got such a clear vision of what's reality and what isn't. Uh, And she just she is not suffering any fools. No, she's sharp as as attack and she knows exactly how to hit back. And she does it in such uh, uh, a very smooth, um, controlled and yet humorous way. I mean, she's not throwing bombs. But I mean, she's getting in her needles when she needs to. They're they're very uh, precision strikes, I guess I should say. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking she looks like a future governor. Wouldn't shock me if present trends continue, because it wasn't just Virginia. There was a big shock in Virginia, and it was it was funny how long they just. Ref- yeah, I was sitting here, and Michael and I happened to be on the uh, Facetime. Uh, on election night, and and, and I, we were just looking through county by county at how many precincts were in, how many votes were there, and I don't know, about an hour, hour and a half before AP called it, I, I think we were both saying- We couldn't find any other votes. Where, where are the votes coming from? You know, Fairfax is 99% in, Loudoun is 99% in, Prince William is 99% in. Where is he getting 
90,000 votes. He, he just, they just don't exist. Yeah. And they were still slow on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they, yeah. The, I mean, as slow, as slow as they were, uh, you know, calling it in Virginia and, and conceding and all that, they were very quick to give the Democrat in, in uh, New Jersey uh, the win. Even yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm wondering a, where Half a percent. Go. Yeah. Half a percent difference. I mean, you know, there's got to be, you would think there's a law that says, yeah, that close, you got to reach. Well, Actually, there's not. Jersey does not have that rule where there's an automatic really? recount. But um, there is a process by where uh, once the and I, I, has an actual winner been declared by New Jersey itself? I don't think New Jersey has AP and all the rest of them have. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Once Jersey does, then there is a process that the loser can challenge and say, hey, I want to recount or, or whatever. And I don't know exactly what would that would involve. And we know how those things kind of typically turn out. But uh, yeah, the, the, the one county, Essex County, which is where uh, Newark is, uh, it's the second most populous county. Bergen County, last I checked, Dale, we were checking that all night. And uh, it, it had gone for uh, Chitterelli. Um. Essex took forever and then they delayed the vote and then they had, so it, you know, the, the typical kind of shenanigans. Oh, here, the, expect. Yeah, the typical shenanigans was here's 40,000 votes from Essex County. Yay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but look, even, even, so, even, at, even at that, the, the fact that it was that close in New Jersey was pretty much a shocker. Absolutely. And indeed, oh, the fact that it's still that it's still that close, and as as you mentioned earlier, Bruce, the president of the state senate was unseated by a truck driver who ran because he was denied a concealed carry permit, and so he tossed one hundred and fifty three dollars into the ring, and he won a senate seat. Yeah, his only commercial was made on an iPhone. <laughs> it's a really good I mean, commercial too. I don't know if you see it, but it's actually pretty yeah. good. Yeah, well, but I, it's uh, yeah, I, I would. It's, it, it it tells you, uh, you know, that those type things to me tell me more than just hey, there's a little trend for the Republican. People are pissed off. Uh, yes. look, look at what happened. Look at what happened on Long Island. For God's sake, they they, they actually flipped uh, seats. Uh, I think all the. Um, uh, attorneys, attorneys yeah yeah we're uh became our republican now uh, people are tired of this crap uh you look up in minnesota and they defeated the defund the police crap a republican won the seattle seattle mayor's race i mean yeah people are pissed off right now. And, and they're tired of this covid crap and they're tired of this this extreme crap about uh, you know defunding the police uh screwing uh or, or indoctrinating our kids in education etc and that's what I saw in these elections. And unless the Democrats can figure out a way back, they are going to suck. I mean, if you th think them losing 60 seats the last time uh, uh, the midterms came with Obama, uh, just wait till this time. It's going to be awful. And, and I think they know that. 
Well, the funny thing is they're not acting like they know. They know no, that. they're now, in denial. They're I'm sure their consultants are, are pretty worried, but the politicians themselves have, as far as I can tell, convinced themselves that the only reason they did badly was because all the racists came out to vote. Well, some of them have, but the others, the others are saying, ah, oh, well, this is my last term. I'm not running again. Uh, this is going to be a bloodbath. Did you hear, did you hear uh, Carville? Yeah. James Carville? Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. He said they need to go to a woke detox center. <laughs> he said this woke nonsense has got to go. Uh, you know, it's really interesting the number of people on the left who have just completely turned off this entire woke thing. I've been shocked by watching the last couple of months of Russell Brand. Um, oh yeah. Who is the next Talk best about red pilled. Who is the next who was the next best thing to a commie 5 years ago? Um who has just been red pilled to an amazing degree. He keeps telling him he keeps telling us, yeah, I'm I'm still very much a, a man of the political left, but he sure isn't a man of the cultural left anymore. No, and I think that's a, a big difference. I mean, and there are more and more of them coming out. I mean, you've already had like Matt Taibbi, um, you know, he still is he and he's always going to lean left, but he, he doesn't fear uh, uh, speaking up to to the cultural movers of the left. You know, Jonathan Chape will, will do it. Um, uh, our buddy Jeff, Tim uh, Poole. Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald. Uh, you know what? Fuck Glenn Greenwald. I I, I won't give him any credit whatsoever. I will. Although he's, he is speaking a lot of I truth. think he's done. I think he's done a, a, a yeoman's job of exposing a lot of bullshit. And I think he's, he has. You know, I, I agree. I, I agree. But I mean, th- there are a lot of, uh, of, you know, nominal lefties. I mean, you might call them Scoop Jackson Democrats. Uh, I, I think that's somewhat of a fair or even uh kennedy democrats um you know who still believe in america and still believe in the promise of america they just have a you know a different view of how it sh- we should go about it fine you know it's the the ones who are anybody who opposes me is a racist is a hate monger um wants to kill people yeah, and man, that's, that's literally what they're saying well, and that's that's the bubble they live in, and and, and the, the thing that's you know, for them, the thing that's bad is they have media who spouts exactly the same thing out, but out in reality land, out here, you know, where the rest of us live, we, you know, more and more people are looking at that and saying that's BS. I'm not going to support that, and that's why you see things like Virginia. I agree. And, look, and, and, you know, when you look at the flip that took place is, as far as, you know, this, Virginia, what, Biden took it by 10 points or so? Yeah, uh, last exactly election. the opposite. Exactly the opposite happened. So, so that means that people who were comfortable with Democrats uh, before Biden was put in office and this, in, and this insanity took place uh, are no longer comfortable with him. Well, look, and, even, in, even in places and, like Loudoun and, and what have you, where... Joe Biden won by 70% of the vote. Uh, McAuliffe was lucky to get 55, 56. I mean, right. he, he's yeah, seriously underperformed, right. even in really de- Democratic strongholds. Yeah. Well, like you You're said exactly before, right. I mean, every single county in uh, the Commonwealth moved rightward, some less than others. Right? There's some deep red counties, especially uh, in the Southwest. But even those 
you saw more uh, turnout. And by moving um, uh, towards the Republicans, it, it's just a sheer numbers game. There were more Republicans that showed up. Um, and how much of that was, you know, Democrats not even coming out? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the I think the final tally of votes uh, this time around in a, a, you know, an electorate of about four million, uh, I think was... A, like 3.2 3.3 something like that which is huge that is huge it, it blew away the the highest turnout before in virginia uh which was like two and a half 2.7 maybe mm. well I, I have to wonder how much the democrats are looking at the biden administration and the, the millstone that he is rapidly becoming around the neck of the party as well um i mean they're trying to help today we had a good you know a good jobs report i mean it was good on a month-to-month basis. We're, we're still not back up to where we were in jobs back in February. We still have a couple of million more to go. But uh, there were news reports today coming out saying, well, this is the turnaround for the Biden administration. Well, well that's Lord, knows, summer, isn't it? Yeah, Lord knows he needs some kind of turnaround because yeah, this, 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 this guy has the reverse Midas touch. Everything he touches turns to shit. Yeah, I, I think we're in recovery winter, you know, but, but yeah. <laughs> This guy is, yeah, you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it when you when you read anything about how, especially moderate Democrats believe, uh, all you have to do look at, is look at his Build Back Better crap and, and see that nobody is comfortable with him or uh, uh, what's going on uh, in that bill. And uh, so, but they do feel comfortable in thwarting it. Uh, and that's because everyone did, does. Uh, you don't know what to believe that man says. I mean, what was it this week? He's, he, when when the reporter stood up and said, uh, "There's a report out that uh, your administration could pay four hundred fifty thousand dollars to immigrants, uh, illegal immigrants." That's a garbage were, uh, report. Yeah, that's right. That's a garbage report. You don't report that. So it's not going to. Oh no, that's not true. Not going to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, uh, uh, wait a minute. White House now says he's very comfortable with that. Okay. Yeah, he went so, from he went from discomfort to we're gonna do it in uh yeah less than well less than forty eight hours. I was gonna say was, uh, you know less than a it was less than a day. To, yeah, they just got their stuff together, put them in the closet, you know, and, and came yeah, out and announced they was fine with it. Yeah, send them to Delaware for God's sake. Put them on the beach. Yeah, Bring who's who's running the show over there? Because it is yeah. What the hell do you think you're it's doing? It's increasingly looking like not <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah, quit going out there and making a fool of yourself, you big dummy. You know, I mean, it's uh, so. So, yeah, I think both. We know that the right is completely done. You know, doesn't want anything to do with it. Wants them gone. And I think more and more the left is, and that and that includes some of the politicians. Yeah. Well, if if he was in the driver's seat, and Nancy Pelosi was in the driver's seat uh, in the House. We'd already have some bills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that failed we, well, again today. Yeah, and, and they're really caught in the catch-22 on this because you've got the J-PAL contingent, uh, the, progress, you know, the progressive side who says, hey, unless both those bills go together, we're not voting yes. And then you got the monitor saying, hey, you know, we're not, we're not going to support a lot of this stuff because we'll get killed in the election. And then you have Manchin and Cinema standing down there going, yeah, you know, until I get it. 
full accounting of how all this stuff works and I don't see any gimmicks of, in the bill, I'm not going to support it. Well, this isn't going anywhere. You know, and he's had how many meetings with how many people to pull this all together? He's gone over there and spoken to the, I mean, you know, usually when, when the prez goes over there and, and uh, uh, talks to his party, it, boy, it's done. Not well, but he left them with time. a framework. He left them with well, a framework. With the what else do they need? He left them with a framework and, and fled the country. <laughs> yeah, he's a real leader. And and he's Absolutely. not getting any votes on that framework tonight either, is he? Nope. 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 And it's it's interesting, you know, the Nancy Pelosi has gone, I think, four or five times now from we are just about to hold a vote. We're going to hold that vote today to, well, yeah. Well, we're not going to hold it today. Three times today she did that. Three times. I mean, that's pretty bad. So I'm I'm not sure how much building back better we're actually going to do. Well, hopefully yeah. not. Exactly. <laughs> hopefully not. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. And the thing is, I think that American people are, are increasingly fine with that. Yeah, let us find that on our own. And and by the way, Nancy Pelosi's problem is not just cinema and and mansion. They're, after all, in the Senate, so they're not part of her calculation. Mm -hmm. Her problem is she has a razor thin majority in the House, Mm -hmm. and she can't get the wings of her party to agree on a deal. That's correct. The the, the J PAL bunch, the progressives, and the moderates. Uh, there is no middle ground for those two, and and that's her problem. The moderates are not going to support what Jay Powell and them want, uh, the progressives want, and and uh, vice versa. So that's where she is, and she can't convince one. You know, they're both standing strong. I mean, the, the, uh, the only that, the, the only tactic that she has at this point, since she can't get an agreement from her own caucus, is just to put a more moderate version of it forward, and then send the progressives home to defend not voting for it. And hope that she gets some Republican votes because she she might very well do so um, to get a more moderate bill passed. Yeah, but she but tried to do point. that. That was that was literally why she uh, decided to hold the vote on the uh, Build Back Better bill, which is the goodies bill, um, and to push the one point seven five trillion the thing that was already bipartisanly passed in the Senate. She tried to get that at least on the table so they had something. But here's the problem is that, A, that $1.75 trillion bill is not actually much infrastructure. Um, I think something like $900 billion of it is, is um, at most, and that's like a best guesstimate uh, of actual infrastructure. And the rest of it is goodies. And they kept throwing things in there, like um, they were adding in uh, a, a salt, uh, uh, an increase of the salt deduction from, I think it's like ten thousand now to eighty thousand, as well, well don't as they, don't they don't they have to repeal, uh, or <coughs> don't they have to re- reestablish the salt deduction? Well, that's what it would do. That's what they threw in yeah. there, was, and then they're uh, going to increase that. Which is right. which is a big tax break for the rich, the wealthy, who they want to tax. That's exactly right. And the carried interest uh, deduction 
um, which really only affects like hedge fund managers, <laughs> like people like that, that, that was going to get thrown in there as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- this was a big, you know, sop to the, the blue state um, donor class and base, uh, the rich mm-hmm. people base. So, I mean, it doesn't do anything for anybody else. Matter of fact, all it does is it's going to increase our taxes. It's going to uh, uh, it's going to increase inflation, and you know we're all going to be end up paying more. And oh, if, but if, you know if, what? If they can't pass that, by the way, what do you think the chances are that Janet Yellen's trial balloon of a uh, tax on unrealized capital gains is going to make it through the Congress? Yeah, there, well, there was never a chance that was going to ever make it through. That's no, this is just the first run out of it. Give her 20 years, you know, give them 20 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, let's see if this flow. Oh, it doesn't. Well, we'll try it again in a few. Well, but, but, and actually, you know, that's a, uh, that's a really good point there, uh, uh, Bruce, that a lot of what Pelosi's looking at and what Biden's looking at, or at least whoever the hell's telling Biden what to do, is that we just need to get the program established. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it costs or what we say it costs or what the CBO says it costs. We just need to get it established because once you get it established, what are the chances you're going to get rid of it? Yeah, it's inviolable at that point. Exactly. That's correct. So yep, and that's, that's what exactly they're right. thinking. And, and that's they, they can't been... convince, and they can't convince the progressive caucus of this. <laughs> well, and that's the whole point here. What they've done is they've compressed times. Uh, they've they've shortened times. Uh, oh, they played uh, every budgetary trick they can think of. That's right. And, and so that's what Manchin's talking about when he says, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see something that's clean with none of these budgetary tricks. Well, <laughs> seems loaded with them and is going to be loaded with them. That's the only way they can, they can satisfy the progressives. Uh, maybe. But what the progressives want is they want that money now and they want it committed and they don't want, you know, anyone to be able to take it back. Right. And that's why they're standing where they are. right now. Because they're stupid. Well, yeah, they're being handed a half a loaf of bread now without understanding that that's going to turn into four loaves in like five years. Yeah, that's the really that's the really dumb thing about this is is right is the inability to compromise, knowing that you're going to win in the end. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. We have to win now. Right. Okay. Well, then how about you don't win? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. Well, and you know, and that's great because they are the, the internecine uh, uh, battle going on between the progressives and the moderates and the Democratic uh, caucus is fantastic because it works out the same as if we had divided government. And yeah, you know that's what? True. Yeah, Amen. <laughs> Instead, we have leaderless government, and that's actually to our advantage now because a leader would actually go in there and put something together with his party. This dope couldn't find the damn congress lbj would have gotten this shit through somehow or oh, yeah. lbj would have gotten this shit Absolutely. through six months ago right yeah. <laughs> maybe working on the ears just like he did with his beagles so. but in today's he news like friends like generalissimo francisco franco lyndon baines johnson remains dead yeah tell you who is not dead is john durham the wheels of justice <laughs> grind slowly, but ever so fine. 
And today, Durham released an indictment of Igor Danchenko, uh, who was one of the sources for the uh, Trump dossier, which supposedly came from, you know, his Russian contacts. Um, his Russian contact being apparently Charles Dolan Jr., an advisor for the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2008 and 2016. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, apparently, apparently they just, you know, he, he was like the launderer. You know, we'll wash it through Igor here and that'll make it sound like it's coming from a Russian source. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Uh, I, I, yeah. Basically, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton PR surrogate um, passes the information to Danchenko, who then told the FBI, no, I have no, this, Dan, Dolan gave me no information. All my information come from the, the, the Rodina, the motherland. No, it didn't. Um, but that's what he tells Steele. Steele tells the FBI, the FBI, being the credulous fools that they are, about which more in due course, um, just went ahead and ran with it. And by the way, at some point, they knew where this came from. They knew That's that right. this was a Hillary campaign op that was filtered through Danchenko and then to Steele and then to the FBI. And their entire investigation of Carter Page was based on a lie that was created in whole cloth and perpetuated by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And they knew this before the election, too. They knew it in 2017. Well, they absolutely knew it in 2017, but they knew in 2016, uh, as early as August, but certainly no later than October. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and by the, the FBI, way, Dolan's lawyer but, but, declined to comment my, uh, any further on this investigation, by the way. When I, my point about 2017 is all the theater that took place in 2017 and the, and the, you know, and then finally the, the appointment of the special counsel when none of that, none of it should have happened. Right. Well, that was so, all the, so that, well, that's the point. The point is this, this now puts a exclamation point to it. So why isn't James Comey hanging out in jail right now? Because he wasn't at the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> yes. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, well. This... The, they, they actually, well, you know, they actually did try to pull a coup. And these fools that wandered around the Capitol were just on a sightseeing tour. They're in max security jails and Comey's giving freaking classes on ethics. <laughs> Yeah, the, the day that James Comey takes the perp walk in cuffs, should it ever happen, will be a, a red-letter day for me. Yep, me too. What a was the guy, Remember back in the day when, uh, I can't remember what that guy's name was, uh, you guys might remember, though, who, who had credible information that, um, who was it, who's the, who's the bald guy that, uh, that was... Uh, george bush's brain um oh shoot you know who i'm talking about uh the bald guy uh oh george w bush um george w oh gosh darn it now i can't remember his name but i still see him in my mind on a tv screen with his little whiteboard yes and he was going to get frog marched out of uh the white house (laughs) they've indicted him 
they've indicted i've got it on good information that spread around the the internet like wildfire i remember checking me random and like oh my god what's going on here there's another one then, of those wait. marshal of the supreme court stories right. <laughs> hey guys speaking of uh, uh the uh build back better thing it looks like house progressives and moderate house dems have struck an 11th hour deal mm. and we'll, and it will clear the way for votes on the uh the spending packages and here the deal between here, i'm reading this from uh zero hedge the deal between congressional progressive caucus moderate blue dog democrats and congressional black caucus would see the house finally pass 1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure packs package along with a promise to vote in the future on biden's 1.75 trillion social spending package which the house moderates insisted that cbo we in on first so they've got some kind of deal cooking right now we'll see if it lasts till the morning yeah yeah we'll, we'll see and also it's from zero hedge so it, it, no, it, no. it may or may not be true no 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 it's uh it's it was put out with Sarah Ferris put it out at 10 o'clock mod frog statement in it, but still some issues of sequencing a vote tonight may see blue screen for a bit. Some CPCers want to vote on rule first rather than be BIF leadership, not changing plan. So yeah, it's in the air. It's there. Well, somebody wants it to be in the air. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see if that deal holds together. There's, there's a lot more on it too. Yeah. But okay. speaking speaking of the FBI, and I look, I don't have any reason to, to doubt you. If it's just zero hedge reporting, a you know somebody with sources, then you know it's just as credible as anything else that you see in the newspaper, and you can you know assign whatever credibility to your newspaper that you want. I guess um, a weird story that broke today. And I don't know if you've been following it, and I've heard rumblings about it, and I've kind of been on the periphery, and I looked into it a bit today uh, because of what the FBI did. So, Ashley Biden apparently was in some sort of therapy, and she was writing down a diary of her thoughts and feelings about stuff. And this diary has been publicly released, and nobody's been able to confirm that it's her diary. Because it has a couple of allegations that are at least moderately explosive, one of which is that she apparently took showers with Joe Biden when she was a little girl, and she has some statements in there about how she was inappropriately sexualized. No details, but still, you know, pretty creepy stuff. And by the way, since Joe Biden is involved, believable, but we'll leave that aside for a moment. So anyway, nobody knows if this is true or not. This is just something that's been floating around there, and it's kind of icky. And by the way, you believe it because you have that you know montage of Joe Biden sniffing hair and you know touching little kids and all the other stuff that looks a little creepy. So you kind of believe it, but you don't know that it's true. Until today, when the Federal Bureau of Investigation raided Project Veritas to recover the diary. What? Yeah. Now, I wasn't aware that the FBI routinely investigated stolen diaries. Um, and it was uh, at a point where uh, James O'Keefe came out today and said, look, we've had this diary for a couple of months. We had tipsters that gave it to us. 
we didn't say anything about it and we didn't publish anything about it because we could not verify its authenticity. So we just let it go. We tried to get it back. We tried to get give it to law enforcement and have law enforcement take it over. We didn't get any takers. And today the FBI just showed up, raided our offices, and were searching for this diary. Well, if you were wondering if that diary was true or not, I guess we know now. That would definitely be, an, and matter of fact, my first question would is always my first question is, what's the federal interest here? What's the federal law? Like, yeah. what, what? How is the federal government, the FBI, even involved in this? Other than the fact that Joe Biden is the president and Ashley Biden is his daughter, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm not asking the right question. That seems to be the only federal issue that I can come up with. You know, with the FBI, we, as we found out, works out for president, not, well, Democratic presidents anyway. Uh, by the way, Fox and CNN are both reporting the same thing. There. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's see if this deal holds together. And see if they can get enough votes to pass it. I'm assuming that Steny Hoyer can count votes, although yeah, that's uh, yeah, he's up there talking about it now. Although we have made that mistake in the past, assuming that Steny Hoyer can count votes. So. Yeah, Actually, he's pretty good about uh, saying, "Yeah, I don't know." <laughs> yeah, but and that's the last thing I heard him say today so, was, "You know, is there going to yeah, be a vote?" I, I yeah, think I don't know. It appears that they they've worked a deal of some sort. We'll see how that works out, though. Oh, or and, who feels and, betrayed or who, you know, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, back to this Ashley uh, Biden thing. Uh, Project Veritas's story is that Ashley Biden had left it in a room, like a hotel room, and people who were in that room after her found it. And um, they were the ones who had control of it. And so is that stolen? No. Is, is that even a crime? So. Mm-hmm. Why is the FBI involved in this? Oh, and because the FBI is involved in this, we can basically take as a given that this is the authentic diary from Ashley Biden. That certainly gives it some credence. I would think, yeah. But I, again, there's no, there's no crime. I can't think of a, a potential crime. There might be a... Um, well, there certainly could be uh, some sort of civil action. You know, the rightful owner wants it back kind of thing. Um, and maybe there's, you know, if people were publishing it, there's a, a, you know, invasion of privacy action. But all these are like state level things. Well, They're not. Here's the they thing. No, but, pro- but Project Veritas did not publish the they, they appeared on a different website. So it's also possible that whoever found it shared it with other people. Yeah, so I mean, it's already yeah, exactly. it's already out there publicly. Whether Veritas did anything with it or not is now immaterial. Um, but does this mean that Veritas managed to get the original from the tipsters, and what we're seeing are copies? And so, did they release copies? I mean, because the whole thing has been, well, this is just fake, right? This is this is just clearly some sort of GOP plot to make Joe Biden look Russian bad. disinformation. Yeah, it's just more Russian <laughs> exactly. disinformation. I bet you Igor did it. And you know what? I'd, I'd have been willing to buy the Russian disinformation uh, argument right up until the point that the FBI uh, serves search warrants on Project Veritas. Well, that's the only thing that I can think of that would necessitate uh, 
some sort of national security breach. Well, then the, the federal government is, would have to be involved. The other thing is, how many people had never heard of this little shit and thing before? And I now it's blown up into a big news. And to, yeah, and to, now it's a big news story and everybody wants to know. I mean, how yeah, the Streisand effect, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they thought they were keeping it quiet, sending a team of FBI agents in to serve a warrant isn't the way to do that. Yeah, and frankly, like Michael, I'd never heard of it until today. I didn't even know about it. I didn't either. Yeah, well, it's it's been out for a couple of weeks, and you know, people have been talking about it. And the line has been, you know, th- th- we don't know that this is real. This all seems like some sort of GOP dirty trick against Joe Biden. And it seemed like that right up until about 10 o'clock this morning. Has anybody asked the Lincoln Project about this? <laughs> <laughs> it seems kind of right up their alley. <laughs> Pedophilia, <laughs> like fake stuff. Then, yeah. If it's under 18, the Lincoln Project's... <laughs> They're experts. They're the go-to people. That's right. The Lincoln Project. We care about your children. <laughs> <laughs> Never have more chilling words been spoken. <laughs> it was like that thing that was going about, going on about Dominion, um, where they had they had a tagline that was something like you know changing elections city by city or something like that. It was just like the it was the the worst thought of slogan for a uh, for a, a voting machine company that you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Uh, and I'm sure they were referring to the the wonderfulness of their technology, not actually cheating in the election. But, you know, it launched like 10,000 memes of, are you tired of not knowing who's going to win your elections? <laughs> Carl Rove. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I I, I, I feel like back I'm, to an earlier part of the I, I feel like I'm having a conversation with my wife right now. The, the the twenty minute later. Oh, and by the way, I gotta tell you how many times a conversation with my wife starts, or to me starts, to her continues with the word yeah. and something else about that. Right. <laughs> we, we haven't said a word to each other for two hours, and that's how the conversation begins. Oh, and, yeah, oh, exactly. and, <laughs> where's the beginning of that? I don't even remember. <laughs> exactly. We talked about this. What? Yes. Two years <laughs> ago when we were at. <laughs> don't you remember you were wearing that red sweater with that stupid shirt I hate? <laughs> I think every man has had that conversation with his wife. Oh, yeah. Hey, Bruce, by the way, you ought to be happy, and I'm not going to drag this down into sports talk radio, um, but the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. I just, I and love shellacked it. They, they, huh? And shellacked them. Yeah. And, 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 but the best part of the whole thing was when the commissioner tried to hand the damn trophy off to the <laughs> team and got roundly booed by all the Braves fans that were in the stadium. That was the best part. I mean, they just booed his ass off. I've been a Houston Uh, Astros fan for my entire life. Right. Um, Even through, I mean, through the good year. Well, they weren't really good years. But when Nolan Ryan was there, I was there. 
when Phil and Joe Necro were both there one night, I remember I got both of their autographs on a baseball. I was there. I've been there for yep. the good times and the bad times. When Cesar Cedeno was the only bright light on the Houston Astros team. And you would think that I would be just giddy with delight having the Astros back in the World Series again. What I was giddy with delight with was having the Atlanta Braves in the World yeah. Series. Because I after, think everybody was. After removing, removing the All-Star game from Atlanta over that voter ID law, and making all of that stuff up, at the end of the day, the commissioner of baseball now has to have the World Series in Atlanta. And he has to yep. sit there tight-lipped and expressionless while the while, <laughs> while 40,000 fans are going, That's right. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, Clay Travis said it best in a tweet. He said, hey, Rob Manford, you wouldn't let us host the All-Star game, so we just won the World Series instead. Where you woke loser. <laughs> I mean that that was the best part of it. I mean, other than the fact that I, that that uh, apparently uh, Jose Solar damaged the International Space Station, you know, it was uh, it was a good good series. Well, it was it was good from your point of view, and look, quite frankly, it was good from my point of view. I as as I yeah. as I texted to you uh, earlier this week, I'm uh, on the I'm going for the Braves all the way. I really wanted yeah. them to win because I just thought it was a way to extract a measure of justice from yeah, the obvious injustice that was done to Atlanta uh, in the All-Star game in the middle of the season. Yeah, and it was it was uh, it, it was a good story. They you know their the, the trade deadline comeback and all that good stuff. In fact, you know it, it was a good story all the way along. Uh, and as we all know if we've been watching baseball for any time at all, it isn't the best team that wins the world series. It's the hottest team. The yeah. one that's peaking at the right time. And that's what happened to the Braves. You know, they were just hot uh, as they could be and, and uh, uh, did a great job of taking advantage of that. So yeah, all in all, a wonderful world series for, for a lot of reasons. And so I even ignored those stupid 1950s uniforms with those thick red and blue stripes around the collar. <laughs> That's how you have pictures of me in 1950s <laughs> in that kind of a uniform. <laughs> and why wouldn't you be? It's the same uniform. Um, exactly. But I, I wonder if at any point, the the wokists like uh, this week Microsoft started off the uh, one of their their online conferences um, saying hey welcome to Microsoft Ignite 2021 before we begin we just want to acknowledge that the Microsoft campus now inhabits land that was formerly owned by the <laughs> Snohomish and went through this whole list of native tribes we're awfully sorry that we are yeah, well, we're occupying your native lands. We're not going to give up yeah. the headquarters, you understand. I mean, that's not going to happen. But, you know, we just want to acknowledge that we're living on your stolen land. This kind of yep. this kind of wokey bullshit. And that's exactly what the yeah. what MLB's deal with the All-Star game was. Wokey bullshit. Um well, his excuse was he didn't want uh be, because of the the uh controversial uh Georgia bill and, and, and Biden opening his fat trap and, you know, uh, Stacey Abrams opening hers. 
he didn't want anybody boycotting baseball. Well, hell, nobody's going to boycott baseball if you just shut up and leave the game alone and don't play. Yeah, who uh, do you know, you don't play their game. The, the question I always have for these people is, who do you think your customers are? Exactly. Yes. Because exactly yeah, right. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I like one of my favorite things about sports is that it's an escape from all the yes. other bullshit going on. You know, it doesn't yes. matter. I, I I don't know what the politics are of any of my fellow fans. I don't know what they think about this or that or the other thing. All I know is they are rooting for the same team I am, and that yep. is fun. Yeah, you're exactly right. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what age they are. Yeah, any of that stuff. Uh, you're a brave fan. Good. I am too. All yeah, you have we, to say. We have a connection. All you have to say, and this goes far beyond baseball, and I'm, I'm actually getting to a question if I can ever actually get to it. Um, <laughs> but all you have to say is, look, we, we play baseball. We care about what goes on on the field. It happens to be Atlanta's turn. All this political stuff, all the stuff going on in the background, it really doesn't have any effect on the fact that we just play baseball. And if you have an opinion about this particular law or whatever else it might be, the Texas abortion law, whatever the hell it might be, good for you. Glad you have that opinion. Glad we live in a free country where you can have that opinion. But this is not about politics. It's just about baseball. And we're going to play baseball. And I have to wonder if what we're seeing now in what we've seen in Virginia, and look, even in New Jersey, who would have thought that, that a state like New Jersey would have a, a gubernatorial race this close? Uh, in New York City, where, where Long Island, apparently the Republicans just swept, swept everything from, from the, the city limits of New York City all the way out to Montauk. Um, mm-hmm. At what point do these executives, whether they're sports executives, Coca-Cola, whoever they may be, decide that maybe getting involved in all this political stuff is not the best option for us. Once they get outside the bubble and actually connect with their customers. And they don't do that. They sit up in their, you know, the C-suites and the, and the, and the, and the uh, premier boxes, and they never know a damn thing about the customers are sitting below them watching the game. Now, that's exactly right. I mean, look, I mean, Trump was right about this, you know, and it still sort of boggles my mind that this elitist rich guy who, you know, hobnobbed with all of these people, you know, all of these uh, super political and social elites uh, for, I mean, decades, he nailed it on the head. People don't want that shit. They don't want you involved in their lives. And he, like, in his crass, buffoonish way, nailed it on the head. He was like, no, just stay out of their lives. Just leave them alone. They don't need that stuff. And right on. And now you're starting to see bubbling to the surface some of these others that are now uh, young can... I'm not so sure he goes that far, but he certainly tapped into that vein. Uh, Obviously, DeSantis does. Abbott was already kind of that way. Um, But here's here's something something else, Michael, is those people that are are starting to speak out and stand up are having success. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that has a cascading effect. 
And so I, frankly, it, and, I, and I think anybody who, who knows a bit about human nature realizes that. I'm not sure the Dems do. I don't, I don't know that the, the Dems understand that. I think some of them uh, do, but, and I think they're afraid. And I yeah. think the term you're looking well, for think, is preference cascade. Yeah, everybody's exactly right. And James, and James Carville sat right there and he said, you know, this, these people are just doing stupid things. And this is not what the people want. Uh, well, and, and that's right. And the thing is, what he's recognizing is that the, the whole point of the wokists and, you know, their ilk is they're trying to drive culture from the top down. Yep. And it can be done, but it's you have to use a lot of force and you have to use a lot of shame and, and other devices that uh, essentially uh, amount to force. Culture, to the extent um, it grows, it grows pretty naturally. And, it, you know, and it shifts and it changes, you know, generation to generation. But th there's always that little bit of core that makes it, you know, this particular kind of culture. Well, when you're shoving it down people's throats, you know, somebody like, well, okay, maybe that's a good idea. I don't know. And eventually you're going to shove too far. And that's what's been going on for the last 10 years or so. The problem I mean, is, honestly, the, the, the problem is when you live inside that bubble and everyone you talk to agrees with, you, right. And you know, you don't understand how Richard Nixon won because no one you knows voted for him. Um, right, that, that tells me that you're in a really bad place and nobody wants trouble. And so whenever you are browbeating people about their you know, racism and their fossil fuel consumption, whatever else it may be, most people not wanting trouble will just keep their mouth shut because it's all they're hearing from the media. It's all they're hearing from the, the, the people who are quote unquote cultural leaders, whether it's in you know, Washington, D.C. or Hollywood or New York City running the major networks. And everybody just keeps quiet about it. And everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid if they stand up against it, that they're going to pay a price that they don't want to pay. So it's better just to not ask for trouble and keep your head down. Hence my bringing up the term preference cascade. Because once it becomes clear that you can stand up against this, and oh, by the way, there are millions and millions of people who agree with you completely, then that turns that can turn a culture overnight against right. this sort of of woke enforcement. The woke enforcement only works as long as you can put people in fear of what, what, what we're calling canceling right now. If you mm. lose that fear of cancellation, you're going to lose big time. And I think there are people yeah. on the left who realize that and who are terrified of the idea that we may be looking at the edge of a preference cascade. They may have reached their high water mark. Yeah, we're social creatures and we don't want to be ostracized. And, the, and that's what the cancel culture has been is successful in doing. And not so much anymore. And that's that's a good thing. Yeah, it's only but, successful for as long as it works. And the yep. way it works is that you enforce speech codes. I mean, that's literally why there's the uh, uh, sustained attack on free speech you know, to delineate this this idea of, of hate speech is because, you know, well, we can't talk about that because that's hate speech and you know we can't talk to each other and we you know certainly can't share that in polite company because otherwise i'm going to be get deemed you know a hate speaker and i'm going to end up maybe losing my job losing my friends 
Uh, yep, that that and redefining words. Well, yeah, uh, things, I mean the Orwellian used to mean, part, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that used to mean you know something for centuries suddenly now mean something completely different. And you know, it's uh, and again, it's it it brings a communication problem. Uh, you know, I'm using it in the traditional sense. They're using it in the, in the new cultural sense. It, uh, we can't talk. Well, as long as the Second Amendment, or sorry, the First Amendment, <laughs> forgive me, I'm going a little, one amendment too far. Um, I mean, ultimately, <laughs> it may be necessary, right to, ultimately yeah. it may be necessary to talk about it. But right now, we're still at the First Amendment stage. And as long as we have a robust First Amendment, all of these attempts ultimately have to fail because you can't impose those kind of speech codes, at least not under the laws that this country was founded on. And that hopefully will give us, hell, let's end optimistically, some uh, reason for hope or optimism about the future. In yeah, any event, we're ready for <laughs> weren't ready for me to be the, the happy one. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. You too. All right, bye. You've been listening to Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 5th of November, 2021. As always, we appreciate the fact that you listen. I'm Dale Franks. On behalf of Bruce McQuain and Michael Wade, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. Until then, have a great week, everybody. So long. So long.